We've got a new episode of Swings and Mishes on deck with a lot happening this week with the Miami Marlins. The holidays are coming, and that means it is car buying season. And those of you who are looking to purchase a pre-owned vehicle, I want to encourage you to go to this website, happycarsflorida.com. Or go visit the inventory there at 203 West State Road 84 in Fort Lauderdale, 33315. The phone number is 954-745-9599. You've heard me talk about Happy Cars Florida, now all 2019. And the deals that they have going on right now are unbelievable. And better yet, if you want to buy any kind of car... For you or your loved one, call Louie at 954-745-9599 and say that you heard about this on the Swings and Missions podcast and that Craig sent you directly. He will get you into any car that you want. Louie is unbelievable. He's been involved in car buying and car selling for over two decades here in South Florida, and he can get you exactly what you want. I've been buying cars directly from Louie as well. So you can trust him and head on over there. He does all the financing in-house. Whether or not you have good credit, bad credit, or even no credit whatsoever, he will take care of you. Again, financing done on the site there. 203 West State Road 84 in Fort Lauderdale. That is happycarsflorida.com. Make sure you give him a call. 954-745-9599. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to a special episode of Swings and Mishes, live from the winter meetings. Not myself. Uh, I'm down here still in South Florida, but Craig Mish, our one and only, is out in San Diego for the winter meetings. Craig, how's it doing in uh, California for you right now? Well, it was the first days in the books, and so now we're here on day two. Mm-hmm. And Steven Strasburg uh, signed his contract with the Washington Nationals. So just that signing alone is basically more than what happened all of last year, to be honest with you. So I'm excited. We're off to a good start here, and hopefully the Marlins will make some moves, uh, as, as we'll talk about. They made some minor moves yesterday, and then hopefully today we'll see some more. Right, yeah, it's been a really interesting start to the winter meetings. Like you said, it's already sort of more action than anything that happened last season. Um, on the Marlins side of things, their biggest news of the day was that Uh, Tyler Kinley, uh, the relief pitcher, was waived by the Marlins and actually did not clear through waivers. He was picked up by the Colorado Rockies, and thus another roster spot opens for the Marlins on their 40-man roster. Kinley's no longer with the team. And I'm wondering your thoughts on that move with Tyler Kinley and what it means for the Marlins. Yeah, he didn't take long to pass through waivers. Certainly the Rockies were not uh, that far behind in terms of the priority in the National League, so they end up scooping up Kinley. And I can tell you that the issue with him is just walking too many batters last year, and the Marlins are right now really focused on guys who can throw strikes, and back-to-back weeks they've let go of players that they felt had issues doing that. I think on the one hand, you understand it. On another hand, you wonder if they could have developed the kids a little bit more and got them to throw strikes, because I think that's part of what a staff uh, is supposed to be. But, um, you know, very succinctly, I've asked these questions both publicly and privately and been told uh, point blank the Marlins feel that their bullpen will be better and they feel like they can do better than uh, Tyler Kinley and Tyron Guerrero in the bullpen this year. So we'll take that at face value and then we'll judge it at the end of 2020. But um, 
you know, uh, Jeff Breidich, the general manager of the Rockies, said that he had been after Kinley now for a while and uh, liked his durability and, and liked the fact that he can pitch multiple innings. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how that works out. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be – I mean, revamp is not even the, the right. word for this bullpen. It's going to be a complete redo. Uh, you know, I, I think that at this point – and I'm not big on spending huge money in the bullpen, and we'll get to that in a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, Harlan Garcia from the left side is – you know, certainly looks reliable. And I'll give the benefit of the doubt to Ryan Stanek, who just seemed out of sorts last year. Beyond that, there isn't a lot. No. So, uh, yeah, you can name Conley and you can say Steckenrider. I mean, these guys are on the team, certainly. But, you know, I don't think there's any guarantees with that. So, from a reliability standpoint, I think they have to be in the market for at least two bullpen arms. Right. Well, and like you just mentioned, Conley and Steckenrider, I believe those are the only two pitchers from their opening day bullpen last season who were still on the roster. So like you just mentioned, a total redo of that bullpen. And so the question becomes, where do the Marlins go from here in terms of their bullpen? Do you think that they're close to anything in terms of, you know, getting something done here at the winter meetings? Or what do you think that the mindset needs to be for the Marlins as they move forward in trying to reshape that bullpen? Yeah, I, I think that they're going to spend some money on uh, a bat. Hmm. Mike Hill did not, you know, say, hey, we're not spending money on the bullpen. But I kind of feel like he did a little bit <laughs> on Monday night. Um, you know, I kind of felt like, which is fine, by the way. I'm not a big believer in spending a ton of money there. But the the rest of the financial threshold I think that they have is to acquire another bat in some way. And I think they'll get two more relievers, Jeremy, but I, I don't know that they'll be of the high price tag in terms of, like, who's left, Lake Trina and Will Harris. Like, let's use those two as an example. I think those players are going to command uh, either very high single-year deals or, better yet, multi-year deals with the teams that they would sign. They're two very good relievers. Now, John Heyman earlier on Monday reported that the Marlins were still in on uh, Romo. Right. And I uh, asked that question. That is true. So they and a, and a uh, you know a handful of other teams as of Tuesday morning, us doing this, are are still trying to acquire Romo, which is a little bit surprising. But part of the explanation on Romo, from what I'm gathering, is this is not just strictly a Romo thing. This is what Mike Hill called a quote different look type pitcher, and this goes back to having uh, multiple looks from different pitchers in your bullpen. What does that mean? Well, two years ago, they had Brad Ziegler, who, of right. course, you know, threw from a different angle, which created a different look for batters. You, you know, you put a fireballer in like Bearclaw at the time, and then you, uh, you know, you had Ziegler come in in the ninth, and you had Ziegler in the eighth, Bearclaw in the ninth. Second rider was really good that year. Conley was really good that year too. So Romo gives you that different look. So it could be a combination of him and somebody else, or better yet, what is the answer? If, uh, if Romo does not pick the Marlins, which is certainly the case. I mean, if Romo wants to compete right out of the gate next year, he would not pick Miami. Right. Uh, he said all the right things about the Marlins, but I, I don't know. I mean, if, if he could go back to the Twins and pitch for them again and guarantee himself in a pennant race, you know, with all due respect to the Marlins, I don't know why he would do that unless more money is on the table. Um, so I will look for some other pitchers potentially to be in the mix. The one pitcher I want to mention here on the podcast, this will be the first time that anybody mentions uh, his name will be Joe Smith. I think that uh, Joe Smith will be a name that we'll start to hear about. Now uh, he pitched for Houston, of course, the last couple of years had an injury and then came back from it. And at this stage of Joe Smith's career, I would guess he, he would 
possibly want to pitch for a contender. He's been around the league a long time. But I believe that the Marlins uh, would have some interest in him, depending on um, you know what happens as the as the uh, winter goes on, and then uh, they'll they'll have to sign somebody else as well. But that's a name to watch, I think, as the uh, as the uh, season the uh, winter goes on. Excuse me. So as the the Marlins do sort of figure out how to devy up the rest of the the finances and that part of it, it will be interesting to see, you know, like you just mentioned, where that money goes in terms of the bullpen and where it goes in terms of you know, establishing more bats in that order. We've already seen, as we talked about on our last podcast, Jonathan VR, Jesus Aguilar added to that roster uh, as of last week. Um, but now, you know, we talked about last week as well, uh, the Marlins coaching situation, and now they've added their first base coach. It's Billy Hatcher. And, you know, what are your thoughts? What are you hearing about uh, the process as the Marlins decided to sign uh, Billy Hatcher as their first base coach to join Don Mattingly and the rest of the staff? Yeah, Hatcher's been around a long time, and as a as a player and as a coach, and my guess he'll do a really good job as the first base coach. I like him a lot. I've always mm-hmm. liked him, uh, in all the different stops he's made. Very good interview for the media, and um, and certainly has been around the league for a long time. So uh, a pretty easy spot once Hensley Mullins decided not to come, and uh, and take that job. By the way, he's here at the winter meetings too. I saw him. Yeah. it was funny uh, with the New York Mets. So um, yeah, so Billy Hatcher is at first, and of course at third base. Um, will be Trey Hillman. And I believe Joe Fasaro had that report earlier today, earlier yesterday. Right. And, and now the, uh, you know, the, the staff is coming into form and obviously, you know, you just mentioned the rest of the roster will come into form and we'll have that for you guys over the next couple of days here on Swings and Mishes. And if you follow Craig at Craig Mish on Twitter, uh, one thing you did break today, and this is a general major league story, uh, Craig, is that the first year amateur draft is going to be moving to Omaha. So could you talk a little bit about what, uh, what led to, to, first of all, breaking that story? But second of all, you know, what, what Major League Baseball is thinking in moving the first-year amateur draft uh, that happens every June over to Omaha, Nebraska? Heavy drinking in a lobby? No, I'm kidding. That's not <laughs> it. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, there's just not much to it. You're, right. you're fortunate to be in a situation where a lot of people are here at the winter meetings, and so you get, uh, you know, different pieces of information from different people, um, you know, without, without going into more detail on that. Uh, you know, clearly this is a great for baseball. I think it's huge. They're going to have this on uh, the draft, I believe, is going to be on Wednesday as opposed to Monday. So it'll basically be on the eve or close to when the College World Series is going to be in Omaha. And, um, and, and look, it's, it's been honestly a little stale in, in having it in New Jersey. I mean, the coverage has been fine for television. But, you know, not all of the kids go. And, um, you know, I just think being around a college is a fun atmosphere. And why not have it in the place where you're going to have the College World Series? You'll have players uh, in the College World Series. We saw the Marlins take J.J. Blade last year, of course, from Vanderbilt. We had to wait that thing out until, uh, until that was done. So, um, you know, I'm certainly excited for that. And we, and we obviously will, will cover the draft as we get closer to it. But I think that this is good news for baseball in general. I remember there was many years ago, I go back to the first time that uh, they opened up the draft to the public, uh, Jeremy. This was in Orlando, mm-hmm. in your old stomping grounds, yep. at the uh, Milk House at Disney World in Orlando. Wow. Uh, they had the draft there. I, went, I drove up and went to the draft. I was at the first ever open draft. I was there. I, I didn't um, know that. Yeah, yeah, they had it there. There's probably like 2,000 people there or something like that. And... um I don't remember who the Mar who did the Marlins take in that draft. I'd have to go back and think about that. But um, I remember Brian Mattis was in that draft. Jake Arrieta with the, with the Orioles because the Orioles were training in Fort Lauderdale. So I remember those two. Uh, Hicks um, was drafted by the Twins. Aaron Hicks now on the Yankees. 
They'd have to go back and remember. Yeah, yeah. They, and, and a lot of those players were there. I remember they were, like, eating burgers outside. It was kind of strange. <laughs> but, yeah, they had that draft in Orlando. And it was the only year they had it there, by the way. They moved it immediately to, uh, to MLB Network right after that. They had, it was a one-and-done type deal. They also honored, if I'm not mistaken, that year um, the history of the uh, Negro League players. They were all there, too. I had a chance to meet a lot of them, actually, as well. So it was, it was a cool experience. That was the 2008 MLB draft. Kyle Skipworth was the sixth overall wow. pick to the Vienna Florida Marlins out of Patriot High School in California. That did uh, not work out. Yeah, that was just before Yonder Alonso uh, of the Cincinnati Reds, obviously from Miami, Florida. So uh, quite the interesting pick there at number six overall for the Marlins, but had to be a fun experience in Orlando. And yeah, I mean, like you just mentioned, the fact that it's going to be in Omaha, I think that leads to a fun spirit around baseball. I, I, there's very few things that feel more... Um, a mix of modern day, you know, we love watching baseball right now. And we love watching college baseball, but there's very few things that feel like that a nice mix between old school baseball and old school moments and nostalgia like Omaha, Nebraska and the new age of baseball, like the MLB draft. So it's nice to combine those two things and, and kind of see them come together. Um, before we get to your interview with Fernando Seganal, uh, of the Marlins front office. I, I, I was wondering if you do have any sort of things, you know, everybody's listening here on Tuesday morning, if there's anything you, you think maybe the fans could be either looking forward to on day two of the winter meetings or just sort of, you know, any tidbits of kind of what's going on out there in San Diego and, and what the winter meetings can be like for someone like you who's sitting here, you know, trying to report on all of it and kind of the, the hectic nature that sort of uh, <laughs> goes on out there in, in the winter meetings. Sure. Well, I have a radio show every day on FNTSY radio when I'm out here from 9 to 11 a.m. on Pacific time. Mm -hmm. So those of you who are catching this podcast right before, you can download the iHeartRadio app or tune in or the FNTSY and you can hear that. Although we do talk some Marlins, it's more about all of baseball and fantasy baseball as well. So I'm engulfed in that and, you know, setting up and getting everything ready for the broadcast from 9 to 11, mm -hmm. um, which is not what I did last year. Two years ago, I, I broadcasted uh, with Sirius XM, of course, now I'm no longer with Sirius XM. Right. And so FNTSY, uh, you know, sent me out here as well as um, you know, the sponsorship for the podcast to be able to do that. So, I mean, yeah, it's a lot of checking the phone. I would not say I'm as intense as, as um, you know, some of the, the main, you know, baseball reporters out there, the national reporters. I try to do my best. And obviously, you know, having a big story last night, jumping in on that, I try to do that when I can. Right. But I am, I am, you know, mostly focused on what Miami is doing. I feel like that's, that's important. That's my uh, primary goal with it. And, um, and, you know, the interesting thing that's changed, I guess, for me, as, to, um, as opposed to like five years ago, is the amount of texts and calls I get uh, with people volunteering info to me, you know, like, like, and players like in the game, like just asking me what's going on. That's a cool thing. Like, that's not something that's always been the case, but uh, growing this podcast and growing, you know, just, the, I guess the credibility in the game has helped me out significantly and seeing those people uh, in in the lobby, um, I mean it's it's basically a fest of baseball executives and media all just talking. I mean that's basically it. I mean I, I don't know how Pretty else to awesome. describe it. Um, so uh, you know you you try to get outside of the hotel. It's like you have it in San Diego or you have it in Vegas. You have it. You try to make your way out. It's not that easy because there's always something going on. Um, it's funny. Last night Michael said he hadn't even seen outside. That's how busy he was inside. And it was the same thing last yeah. year in Vegas too. So. It gets kind of busy, 
but there's always there's always time for breaks and it's great to you know catch up with people um you know cliff floyd being one of them a longtime friend of mine like able to just you know and i know his family and he knows mine and we've been friends forever but it's good like being out of the atmosphere and just being able to just sit down and and look at each other and just talk about yeah. you know what's going on um you know that's that's always a fun thing and seeing people that i haven't seen in a long time whether it's agents or executives and and having some executives and players ask me uh you know hey what's up with the marlins you know what are they doing right. and all that so it's you know i, I guess jeremy that, that kind of sums it up from a fan experience it's not really i mean you're in a hotel i mean that's it i mean yeah. there's not like you're watching a radio broadcast that's i mean if that moves you and that's exciting well then yeah i mean you can come down and check that out uh but this is not like an all-star game or or certainly anything like that. But yeah, spending my day, you know, more or less from nine to 11, I try to focus on the show and then, mm -hmm. you know, texting out and making calls and everything like that. But um, yeah, a couple other things before we go. Right. So uh, Fernando Seganal, I've been talking to him in a while. So thought it would be a good idea to catch up with him, the uh, director of international scouting to kind of pick his brain as to where he's been going and what he's been seeing. Some surprising places he's been, by the way, the Marlins are scouting in some surprising places. And without ruining um, our guest for, is it Wednesday morning? Yes, for uh, Wednesday morning. Uh, I believe we're going to have a really good uh, interview Wednesday, first-time interview mm. here on the podcast. So um, don't want to ruin it, but make sure you catch uh, Wednesday mornings. And so, um, you know, we'll, if, if something happens, we'll pop on and we'll do another podcast, another interview or something like that. But for the time being, this is kind of the direction that we're going to go couple other things also before we go i know that uh, people on social media have asked me about other players that they may be after offensively and stuff like that mm -hmm. i've heard the same things that you guys have heard there's really nothing to report i did check in um on Corey dickerson because i thought that that was a name potentially that the marlins would be interested in um uh, to my knowledge at the you know, without going any further into it because i'm not sure the dynamics of it exactly i do think he's a possibility for the marlins is that uh, they have not offered Corey Dickerson a contract. That I know. Uh, beyond that, where he stands with other teams, I can't really speak to it. Uh, Avisel Garcia, I believe we're in the same situation here. I, I, I believe that the Marlins are just kind of waiting this out, Jeremy. I think that they are. Uh, I, I don't know that we'll see anything else done uh, during the winter meetings. I would, I would hope and like to think that, but can't make any guarantees on this one this year. Yeah, so it will be. Uh, we'll have Craig out there at the winter meetings all week long. Uh, we'll we'll catch you guys up tomorrow morning as well here on the podcast. Like Craig just mentioned, we can hop on if necessary. If anything gigantic does happen, but it does sound like a little more waiting things out. Um, but please enjoy this interview with Fernando Segnal. Be ready for tomorrow's podcast and follow at Swings and Mishes and at Craig Mish on Twitter for all of your information as we move forward. Hope you guys enjoyed the winter meetings. 2019 recap of day one. So, Segi, how um, how would you say uh, things are going on the international market so far? Let's uh, start off with an update for how the Marlins are looking. Well, I would say that um, uh, to date, and since you know we started out the process, you know, two years ago, I mean, it's been it's been great um, finding really impact players, athletic players. Um, you know, the interest level of other organizations looking at what we've been doing has been tremendously. They, they've been looking around and saying that, you know, things are building for, for the better, you know, um, in, that, in that sort of uh, way. Um, you know, so it, it's been great. It's been great so far. The process um, was a lot of things that we needed to change and uh, sort of, uh, you know, report writing, you know, better evaluations, um, getting the guys um, uh, the right tools. 
um, to work with. And um, just with the support, the constant support of uh, um, ownership and um, executive directors, I mean, it's, it's been great, you know, just the, the level of uh, support that we have received now to, to get you know, work done. So it's been, been, been good. We'll, we'll get into what could be for the future, but there is one market that I'd like to, you to expand on, and that is the Bahamas. It seems like at this point the Marlins have really taken over the market as far as that. And I keep hearing, no, no, it's just a coincidence that we ended up getting those players. But it would seem to me that there would be a very big advantage in the proximity from the Bahamas to the United States and to Miami and the fact that you already have three players from there that could be potentially at an elite level. Well, definitely. Um, you know, look at it as we're a gateway of the Americas, you know, and, and Bahamas being such a close uh, proximity to Miami, you know, is, is, it makes sense, you know, to, to look into and know what you have in your neighbor, you know, it's, it's, it's a neighborhood. So, um, yes, it's, it's not being coincidence. Uh, we've been scouting heavily in there and, um, you know, all, all, every other place, Curacao, you're talking about, you know, going in there. I mean, Dominicans, you know, we know for a fact, you know, from back in the days that um, we got all these academies and stuff and a lot of players. But um, Bahamas has been interested. Um, very intriguing market because uh, the players develop late. You know, they're, um, they take them some time to catch up to what's going on with other part of uh, the con- um, other part of different countries, like you know, I would say Dominican Republic, Colombia, Panama. Um, they don't have the same level, but athleticism, the, the bodies work, um, really good actions out there. That I mean, it's very intriguing. You got to stick with these kids. You know, they're 12 years old, 13 year olds. Just got to follow them. Um, going in there and seeing. Just the level of athleticism on the field is is, is amazing. So we, we definitely um, we have we have put in you know this baptism now, and we have um, uh, Ian you know Ian Lewis coming in. So that would be great you know to see those guys you know come up and, and actually you know be impact players in the major league level. Now catch us up with since the regular season has ended you being on the international trail, things that you have seen, and maybe give Marlins fans an idea as to what we may expect the Marlins to be involved in over the next year or so? Well, no, definitely. Um, we're working uh, now on, you know, definitely um, to you know, bring back impact players. I mean, we want um, guys to come in and, and, and contribute, you know, not only in the Dominican Republic, but I'm looking into Panama, I'm looking into, you know, Colombia, you see, we have you know some Alfaro's there, and you know, well, fortunately, well, Guerrero's not here, but you know, we we have some, some guys you know, that are coming in and then stepping up. Um, the farm, the farm is, is is loaded with with talent now. Um, we're just happy, happy to have um, those guys, you know, be part of the Marlins organization. And um, I'm, you know, I've been nonstop. You know, in this department, we we never stop. We we keep going now. We try to. Um, find the players that we gotta, you know, we gotta bring to the Marlins and then make sure they, they, they put on a good show and, and, and be here for a long time. Um, now I'm looking into even Europe and, and you know Japan and Asia as well. I've, I've been I've been traveling all over the world. I mean, it's, give me your give me your itinerary over the last. Uh, uh, where have you been? Over the last uh, six months, uh, I would say you know going from you know, London to. You found a player in London. Find well, we have we have evaluations on these guys. We're not we're not going blindfolded. You know, we're definitely seeing these guys. We have them in the system. Um, Japan, for say, uh, Korea, Taiwan. Um, so you know, as as being open minded and, and bringing the best talent to the Marlins is, is our 
her, um, you know, her priority. And, um, you know, in, in Latin America, it's always been that, you know, the best players, you know, come out of the Latin countries because they play more. Um, we got to deal in Europe, we got to deal with soccer and, you know, different other sports. But, um, you know, at least say, you know, you, you, you get some good bodies and guys who, you know, love to play the game. I mean, it's, it's, we find some talent there. You said that earlier in the interview when we first started that the perception from people around the league, at least that they've shared with you, is that the Marlins have taken notice about some of the things that you've done. When you look back at the time that you've been here, I believe over a year, what are some of those things that you feel that they've taken notice with that the Marlins have accomplished that your peers around the league have said to you good job on or something specific, tangible that you would know? Well, I would say, well, it's going going for three years now, and um, just the level of, of you know talent that that we are stacking up in the minor league system. Um, there's there's kids uh, coming up that I mean we we're very excited about you know even from the GCO all the way through you know say a single leg you know um, there's some guys that will be coming up and um, uh, the Mars is gonna be very excited those kids. I mean you're talking about uh, Junior you know Sanchez and. You're talking about Jose Salas and, uh, and Lewis and Victor Mesa Jr. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's there's some guys that you know they've been impacting in their league now, and just see them, they would live up maturity that they they're showing. You know, I would say the the educational part of of um, our program as well in the DRA help a lot. You know, to kind of build you know character around these kids. You know, so that that's that's another impressive part that I think. A lot of our peers have, have noticed that we're doing a lot better following up and not only signing players but following up and, and their development from the Dominican Republic all the way through AAA, you know, so. I, I know the players have to be, be developed, which is another level, yeah. but is Victor Mesa Jr. better than what maybe people thought when he first signed because everybody was so focused on Victor Victor? I mean, Victor... Was, was was kind of an afterthought there, like a package deal. You take this one, you get the other. But it seems like, at least from some of the reports, it seems like he's much better and much further along than people say. Well, I would say that um, we, we know what we had. It wasn't, uh, for us, I don't think it was a consideration of a package deal. We, we have two really good players. Um, they just needed to play. They just needed to play. And, um, you know, they were recognized, you know, organization are recognizing that now that they've seen them play, you know, they could kind of see what we already have, you know, seen on paper. You know, we know we was getting two really good athletes and two really good ball players. I mean, their their dad was an outstanding ball player in in Cuba, so we we know they have that background. Um, and just just put them on the field and letting them be comfortable in their own skin and and just um, you know monitoring their their development. It's been great. It's been great. So. Um, Definitely. Those two guys, I mean, they, they're going to say a lot, you know, down the road, that's for sure. All right, last one. Uh, give me any international player that you've been involved with, with the signing, that uh, you're still excited about, you're still maybe most proud of to this day. It can be a player that we all know or somebody that we don't know that you've brought into the Marlins organization. It doesn't matter. Give me anybody, any name. It has to be one. Oh well, I tell you, uh, there's 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 many players that I'm I'm excited about. It's tough to just say one guy. Uh, if I made you do it, <laughs> you making me do it now? No, I'm I'm just saying I'm, we're excited about the players, um, the juniors. I mean, the, the, you know, Victor Junior, Victor Victor. I'm very excited about what we've seen there. Um, guys, more far along. I mean, I'm talking about Jose Salas, he would be a, a very impressive guy to see down the road on his development. Ian Lewis is another guy. <laughs>